but yeah, I don't know. It just felt like beef. And so I, I spent a lot of money on what was, I was just like, oh, that's, that guy could have just used beef there. Um, but okay. But like, I got to try a, a fun recipe and I got to treat myself a little bit to some fancy lamb. So yeah. Yeah. It's not about the flavor. It's about the, it's about the feeling of superiority you'll get when you eat it. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. Pretty sure this is the start of season four? Yeah. 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 Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the podcast in episode 40. Which is the start of the fifth year. Yeah. So it's season... Did we start with season zero? Is that how we chose to do it? Okay. Yeah. No, because it was... Because we were doing it... We were going to number them, right? So it was like one through P. Uh huh. And then ten through one p, and now we're at four zero forty. Yeah. So this is the this is the fourth season if you're counting zero, which <laughs> of course we do. But like uh-huh. a normal human being would call this the fifth season, <laughs> <laughs> and that the podcast is four years old, right? Yeah. 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 Jeez. Okay. So with that in mind, four years ago, Senator Tammy Baldwin. <laughs> we're never going to escape (laughs) we boxed ourselves into this four years ago senator tammy baldwin proposed the dairy pride act it has undergone some revisions now um there's been all all sorts of things the uh fda was like hey we're gonna rethink standards of identity in like 2019 i'm pretty sure and that just went nowhere um so now um because states are a laboratory for democracy uh wisconsin (laughs) is taking the problem into our own hands uh and just making a bunch of rules that only apply to wisconsin because that's that's how you make uh, consumers and product makers like you is to just be a little special snowflake of a state uh, that has your own rules it's such a bad idea because like you, the only r- outcome from this is that either the the brands will conform in wisconsin and end up c- conforming ev- to wisconsin's rules everywhere else because that's just what's easiest in terms of manufacturing Mm -hmm. or they're just not going to sell in wisconsin anymore (laughs) (laughs) which might be what they're going for to be fair yeah less competition um so where the dairy pride act is the defense against imitations oh i always get so close and it's like imitations and uh reproductions reproductions Defending against imitations and replacements Replacements. of yogurt, milk, and cheese to promote regular intake of dairy every day. Act. (laughs) Um, And so What's the last E? Pride. Every day. Am I crazy? Regular intake of dairy every day. What about the... There's an E at the end of pride. Not a D. Every day. (laughs) Day every. (laughs) Day every. Uh, No, dairy. Every day. Dairy. Am I losing my mind? What's going on? Okay, I'm going to type out dairy pride. 
and you're going to read me it again. Okay. Defense Defending against against okay. imitations. Yep. And replacements uh-huh. of yogurt, milk, nope. and cheese. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know why standing for yogurt, milk, and cheese. Okay, fine. Fine. Uh, to, to promote promote regular intake uh-huh. of dairy every day. Okay. So every day is one word now. Yeah, every day. I that confused me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so that covers all your bases. You got yogurt. You got milk. You got cheese. <laughs> That's everything you could worry about. Um. Uh. The Wisconsin standards of identity laws uh, that have been proposed around milk. So specifically, I'm talking about um, Senate Bill 81 for 2021. Um, you know the one proposed by senators markline bernier cowles finan faff ringhand to oh this is a very long list um you know all the all the great senators um it it legislates all um dairy related products but not milk we, we already lost the milk battle we have to defend the cheese cut our losses applies to most dairy products but excludes milk and other products derived solely from the milk of cows or other hooved or camelid mammals what dairy products don't derive from milk solely solely from milk i suppose you could make the argument Um, that i think you've got things like skim milk dried milk milk cubes probably but like yogurt because you're adding like bacteria into it is not directly okay right all right, I get that. I don't like it, but um yeah, so it ap- applies to this they say such as cream, yogurt or cheese are like the the big 3 that they're listing explicitly in here, but they're also just saying if it's got dairy ingredients then uh that's that's important. Okay. Um that is it gets the the law applied to it. Um so there's that. That's the one sh- one of the changes between this and the Dairy Pride Act. Um, the other is that it's an interstate compact. And um, okay, Jared, you might you might be aware of interstate compacts. Maybe not. I'm not sure. Um, they are, by some readings of the Constitution, not legal without the consent of Congress. <laughs> Especially when it comes to uh, like regulating trade right right like it's pretty explicit in the constitution that congress the federal government gets power over interstate trade (laughs) but you know wisconsin just gonna put that right in there um it's fine the other place it's only illegal if we get sued right the other place where i've seen the interstate compact issue raised is with the national popular vote interstate compact um Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the folks who might support the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact are different than the folks who are supporting this bill. I would agree with that. Um, so, so I don't know. It's just weird to, to be like scrolling through this thing about milk politics because I was looking something else up and I was just, just happened to be on the Wisconsin State Legislature website. And I was like, oh, I got to check for milk politics now. And there was some because of course there is of course there is so if by um 
So if sometime before June 30th, 2031, at least 10 states out of a group of 15 states that are listed in this bill enact a similar prohibition, um, so a similar law around selling dairy-derived products um, and, like, you know, reserving those names for specifically dairy-derived versions of those things, mm-hmm. if 10 other states do it, then this state of Wisconsin will also do it. Mm, okay. Yeah, I think that makes sense for um, the reason I brought up earlier, which is that Mm -hmm. people don't want to sell in your state if you're the only place not letting them call it what they think it should be called. But they might change their mind if they can't sell it in 10 states. And the interesting thing is it's not just any 10 states. It's 10 states specifically of um, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, North Dakota, North Carolina, Ohio, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Hmm. Why do you reckon that is? Go on a map. Um, I'm going to see if those states are even contiguous. Um, Let's go all neutral. Thank you. Okay. So we've got Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky. That's Massachusetts. Where's Maryland? That one. Okay. Maryland, Minnesota, Michigan, Missouri, North Dakota, North Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Okay. So they are at least contiguous. Okay. Oh, I forgot Ohio. Ohio's in there too. Okay. That's a that's a reasonable little band. Or you might be like, okay, that you know, we ship out of indiana and go in this region that makes some sense um i don't think there's any like mathematical reason it would be this band right it's not like oh it's any state that's two steps away from wisconsin or anything right it's just kind of like a region that starts in north carolina and ends in north dakota it would make sense for these states to also have like a a similar sort of thing Mm -hmm. or at least some of them (laughs) Less than 10, apparently. I think just making random ad hoc networks of states is a, is a weird way to go about it. Like, maybe we have some sort of uh, institution that says, hey, it's going to be the same to go to all of these states and we're going to call them the whatever, the, the North Paintbrush. Or, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care what you call it, but just say, like, trading to the North Paintbrush is going to be the same always. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, like... If I make milk and orange juice and the milk laws are the same from North Dakota to North Carolina and the orange juice laws are the same from Washington to Michigan, um, that's just frustrating. Yes. Agreed. It would be nice if we could just like, I mean, it's just, I know this is not the point, Mm -hmm. but like, do we really need this? (laughs) Is this really that important? Like, does yogurt, milk, cheese need defending no i don't like i've never experienced another person being confused about almond milk you know and like almonds milked this milk i just like you can be like i've seen definitely seen people confused about like what goes into making alternative milks like how do you how how do you milk an almond ha 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 but like (laughs) You stick it in a blender, and then, like, that's the end of the conversation. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, can we just... uh, At the same time, 
I also respect that uh, probably a lot of these politicians are mostly just trying to find any way that they can uh, make farmers happy without actually making any reasonable changes uh, that would actually affect the farmers' lives. Yeah. Because that's hard. Yeah. Oh, God. You want me to, like, work to Do my make job. Live, lives materially better? Um, I, I do have, like, an interesting thought on this, which is that, like, I have purchased coconut yogurt before, mm-hmm. and, like, I knew what I was getting. It said, like, dairy-free coconut yogurt, same right. font size, because they're, they don't want the consumers to be confused. If you're a person and you're expecting yeah. real <laughs> milk yogurt with coconut in it, and you get coconut yogurt, you're going to be surprised, and you're going to be mad at the company that gave you the coconut yogurt. Yeah, there's just as much incentive for the alternative milk people to make it clear that this is not dairy, because people buy it. Because it's not dairy. Right. Ah. Cream is the extra weird one to me. Like, I can get a little bit that if I saw coconut cheese, I might be like, oh, is that cheese, like cheddar cheese with coconut in it? Mm -hmm. It also would not take very much energy for me to be like, ah, actually, it's not. Um, But I, I get that there could be some confusion about that. But like coconut cream is already a thing that exists. Yes. And it's just like, hey, this is... This is just like creamy coconut product. There's liquid inside this coconut. We put it in a bottle. You're welcome. Right. So there's there's all of that. And then I am also thinking about um, in other countries, mostly other countries that have kings and queens <laughs> that have a monarchy of some sort, <laughs> there will be like a royal institute for insert the language of that country. Okay. Right. That there's like the the institute of spanish that like defines all of the words they look at how people use the words because linguistics is best when it's descriptive and not prescriptive and they go like hey what words are people using and what do they mean when they do that thing and i get how like sometimes you need to be able to put a legal definition on a word because Mm -hmm. if my boss says safety means one thing and i say safety means another thing it's kind of important whose definition we're using yes um but I just think the place where government and linguistics interact is I feel like they pretend that there's not a whole field that they're stepping on the toes of here. <laughs> hey, you're I, not allowed to call that milk. Well, actually, uh, historically, people have, have called milk, you know, whatever. I don't I don't know, because that's not the thing that gets platformed when you're having a, a discussion about milk, ling- milk linguistics and the semantics of the word milk. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, like, again, like, this is probably one of the lowest stakes versions of <laughs> this, but, like, it's an important thing to have in general, which is, you know, like, at some point in a contract, you can, you have to stop defining everything. <laughs> like, there are <laughs> probably a couple words that you're like, okay, in this contract, we specifically mean that toast means... Like bread that was heated to a temperature of this for at least this long. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by heated is, and you can just keep like going like that. And at some point right. you have to stop. And at that point is where linguistics needs to take over. And choosing where that point is, is something I, <laughs> I'm concerned that people are bad at. <laughs> yeah. 
Because, like, because you're right. Because, like, probably somewhere, like, probably not in, like, OSHA or something, but, like, at some point someone said, like, a workspace needs to be reasonably safe. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to jail. Right. Or you get a fine or whatever and nothing happens. But regardless, the, but, like, reasonably safe sounds like a thing that, like, you and I, Zach, can agree about and say we can point to a thing and say that is or is not reasonably safe and probably agree with each other 99% of the time but right but when you're trying when you're like specifically trying to subvert these rules there's a lot of wiggle room in that phrase Mm -hmm. and the same is not it how do I say this like even if you just said it has to be safe, there is no way to say even linguistically what that means. Free from danger is not really a thing that we can achieve ever. Because mm-hmm. like a meteor might just crash into it because we right. can't, we can like, uh, I, I don't know if uh, I said this on the podcast, but a little while ago I went on a, a little bit of a rabbit hole about like what to do, what we would do in terms of like, there's a meteor going to hit the earth and it's going to kill everyone. Like there's not a whole lot that we can do about that. And we can sort of detect meteors, but only in like a 30 degree radius between in the right uh-huh. like position with the sun. And by 30 degree radius, I mean 30 degree arc. Um, so basically like the other, <laughs> the other 330 <laughs> degrees are just like a black box at all times. And, um, point is being completely safe all the time is not a reasonable thing to expect right so we have to draw a line somewhere else and it's just like we don't even have a linguistic we don't we like ask a linguist what safe means and they will give you a hundred different answers and they will point at different workplaces and say safe not safe for the same one Mm -hmm. you know two linguists where was i going with that milk it just yeah <laughs> we it's so silly i'm gonna cut all this out by the way all of okay. what i just said <laughs> so uh this milk discussion is silly because the people buying the milk no d- people people buying dairy milk are not confused with plant milk and the people buying buying plant milk are not confused by dairy milk okay so it's a it's an it does become like a descriptive versus prescriptive thing where if you're trying to say what safe is, you're mm-hmm. trying to land on a shared definition between all all people involved, right? Between the workers and the bosses and the, the OSHA mm-hmm. inspectors and whatever all have a similar idea of what safe is. Um, and you're trying to like reach that point in the middle. Yes. Um, where with milk... We all have this like idea of like, okay, milk is probably from a cow, but if you put a, a noun before the word milk, then you might be describing this larger region of things that like, maybe sometimes it's confusing that you say chocolate milk and it's not milk made out of a cocoa bean. <laughs> Ooh. Um, <laughs> but like the way that language works, I know when you say coconut milk, you don't mean those two words in relationship to each other the same way that you do when you say strawberry milk. Right. And I think I figured out what I was saying before. Okay. <laughs> Which was that the reason that we have like very prescriptive definitions for safe is mm-hmm. because 
people were, I'm going to do big scare quotes here, confused about what that meant. Yeah. Like, you, the government can't just say it needs to be safe because, you know, uh, Q, um, Philosophy 2 Vampire, uh, well, I thought it was safe. It looks safe to me. And, <laughs> and, and um, so the government needs to say very prescriptively, like, this is safe. This is not safe. But we don't need that for milk because... <laughs> Because no one is, quote, confused about what this is, and it's just making, and in fact, I think it is more confusing to say almond drink or whatever Mm -hmm. than almond milk. I have less of an idea of what an almond almond drink is than I do almond milk. Right. I think also it's a, that like the cloud of what noun milk might be. Mm Mm-hmm. And this very prescriptive rule about what you are allowed to say with milk are centered in very different places. Um, Yeah. And this cultural conception of like, okay, speaking from personal experience and personal experience only, most people can go like, okay, almond milk fits in this big category that also encompasses cow's milk. Mm -hmm. Um, That is my experience as well. it, It feels like trying to drag this pin away from the cultural conception of milk to like some some definition that is beneficial for a particular party which in this case is dairy farmers is it though that's what i'm like (laughs) that's what i keep coming back to is like it is ostensibly dairy farmers yes i know what you mean though i don't know who the consumers aren't benefiting and it doesn't i might be wrong here because i don't actually have any data but it, I've never seen anyone be confused about it, so I don't think the farmers will actually benefit from this. So it, in my book, this is a net loss in terms of, uh, I think, at best, this will be entirely neutral for the consumer. I wonder if, so I discovered recently, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later, but there is such a thing as the, let me find the word, uh, Legislative Reference Bureau of Wisconsin who, like, do a lot of the research around laws that get drafted. And I wonder if you could email them and be like, yo, for Senate Bill 81 2020, mm-hmm. why? Like, what? Yeah, what's the research? To what end? Cite your sources, please. Yeah. Can you do that? Um, They Where's do have an email address and a phone number. Ooh. Jared, I want nonstop calls until they answer. <laughs> We're going to flood them. DDoS Wisconsin government. <laughs> Don't do that. Just uh, putting it out there that that was, for legal reasons, a joke. Yeah. Supplying historical context around past legislation. We might, well, we might have crowd to stand on. Worst case scenario, I email them and they go, that's not what we do here. And I go, okay, sorry. Best case scenario, they are a Jared. <laughs> Smuggle us the research, Jared. In the middle. Smuggle us the research. <laughs> or just like tell me what to FOIA so I can get it myself. Yeah, or like it did a did a university do the study that like might have a paper I can find online? Uh-huh. Just tell me the search words. Give me a link to an unlisted part of the website. I will accept private FTP logins. Okay, so that's uh, one Wisconsin standard of identity for us to be concerned with. Uh, I think the second one I am more concerned about 
<laughs> okay. Uh, I love things with stakes. Senate Bill 20... You're going to love this one, then. If you love things with stakes, this is the bill for you. Senate Bill 2021, um, number 82, uh, sets us the standard of identity for meat products. Oh. Ah, I get it. Nice pun. <laughs> love that. Thank you. Um, so under this bill, no person may label a food product as or sell or offer for sale a food product labeled as any type of meat product or meat in scare quotes, unless the food product is derived from the edible part of the flesh of an animal or any part of an insect. And there's some more caveats that we'll get to. Uh, initial thoughts. Does that count? Yeah. Um, I just, it is the same thing. It is exactly the same thing, except replace milk with meat. Yeah. There's like, okay, I don't know how it is at your grocery store, Zach, but at my grocery <laughs> store, there is a, there is a singular, like, you know how in grocery stores, like in the frozen section, there's like, like there, there are like glass doors and you open the glass doors and you take what you want and you close the glass doors again. Mm-hmm. And there's like, 20 30 doors per row right there is one one door for non-meat frozen items <laughs> uh, uh elsewhere in the store there is a sec a small section by the cheese it uh let's see so like if the cheese is like there's like a cheese section and it's 90 percent cheese and like a little one little it's literally in the cor- the farthest corner in the store is right. tofu related products <laughs> and that is everything absolutely everything in the store that is like fake meat or whatever yeah and it's like it's not put by the real meat it's not marketed as tasting like real meat even mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. like there's probably an impossible thing that's like right yeah ours goes next to the butter i'm pretty sure that's where it is in my store <laughs> no one is confused because you know why no one's confused about do you know why advertising to the people who don't want meat they don't want you to be confused no one wants you to be confused this is just making it more confusing for the people who actually care yeah okay continue let's hear the caveats caveat one <laughs> Animal, herein, is defined as a mammal, bird, reptile, amphibian, or mollusk. No fish? No fish. There's, there's <laughs> you can't no call fish. fish meat. You cannot call a fish meat. I don't know what the intention there is, because they remembered mollusk. <laughs> what happens in your brain that you go, oh yeah, the animal mollusk, and don't, don't include fish? Is it like a, a dig at pescatarians or something? I, I have no idea. But like, thank God we're not getting the fake octopus meat mixed up with the real octopus meat. Well, I'm wondering now, like, could you sell a tuna steak? Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think a judge could read this law and say tuna steak's not allowed. Yeah. Or like a, a cod chop. <laughs> Uh, your uh, ribeye salmon or your, um, what's another one? It's like a... New York shrimp. Flamin' fl- clam? Flay, that was... Flay, yeah, flamin' clam. Flamin' clam? Well, it's a clam a mollusk, though. Oh, no, no, no. I think that needs fine. to be a... Flamin' yeah. clam is fine. Yeah. Um, uh, what's another fish? 
<laughs> a, a flaming. A, I need a one syllable fish now. I already used cod. Trout. Flaming trout. Perfect. <laughs> you see, Jared, in a in a less upstanding podcast, they would cut all that out. <laughs> they would deprive you of that entertainment value. They still might. <laughs> no editing's been done yet. Uh, so f- for some reason. Fish is not an animal, according to this bill. I do not know why. I respect that they say, for the purposes of this bill, this is an animal and not Uh like, universally, these are animals and everything else (laughs) is not. Um, Caveat two. This does not work like uh, Senate Bill 81 in that it just happens. Like once it's passed, it just happens. There's no Mm. interstate compact. So just Wisconsin? Yeah, just Wisconsin. Okay. How much, like, so, like, there is, I think I remember that there is an FDA thingama that says milk has to be from an animal, but no one follows the law, I think, and Mm -hmm. no one enforced it until recently. Is this, probably, probably since it's kind of new, they would take some pains to actually enforce it? What do you think? Yes, I do, I do think they would. Okay. I have discovered an amendment that I am now going to briefly read just Go for so it. I can see what's up. Oh, okay. This is I'm this is a significant improvement. So as of yesterday this bill was amended um and notwithstanding sub section 2. So there is a caveat in this bill that you can use terms like plant-based or meatless oh, okay. or veggie-based um, or a comparable qualifier. That's a pretty big caveat. Um, but it still does not make up for the, the third, um, third little point of this bill, uh, which is that you cannot call cultured animal tissue produced from animal cell cultures meat. Now, what? So, just... To making sure I understand, mm-hmm. real meat, you know, or uh, how, how I would say this, meat that is chemically identical to the flesh of an animal, right? But grown in a lab, right? So technically, never been alive, right? You can't call that meat. Yes, that's really stupid. Yeah, that's really stupid. Yeah. And it doesn't, you can't call that plant-based, so the no. the amendment does not cover that. No, it's just, it's, it's none, it's none of those things. What if are you, you supposed to call it? <laughs> if not meat, then what? I know it's not the point of the law, but like, yeah, it's kind of an issue. I can't believe it's not meat. You could, I can't believe they didn't have to kill a cow for you to eat this. <laughs> you could be like... It's not meat. So don't say meat. You because you can't even say like you can't say like harmless meat or whatever because you can't say meat. Right. Non-murder flesh product. <laughs> Murder-free cow flesh. <laughs> Bovine flesh. Get all get all sciency on them. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> could you make your brand name? Like, I don't know, murder-free meat or something? I mean, it, I don't know is the answer, but I would guess not. Because you'd have to... Because, like, you can't even 
like the cans of cheese are spelled C-H-E-E-Z because it's not technically cheese. Uh And that's a brand name, Cheese Whiz. Yeah. So my guess would be no. Mm. But also, I think any reasonable person would say, yeah, it's probably fine if you call it meat because it is literally meat. Stepping away from this law, do you think it should be required that lab-grown ground beef is somehow indicated as separate from pasture-grown ground beef? I think that probably the people make the people selling those are going to do it regardless because that's good marketing. Mm-hmm. But whether it should be required. I'm thinking yes, at some point. Yes, but. Okay. Yes, but it should be the other way around. Ah. Meat that comes directly from cow from alive cows has to be marked as. This came from a living animal uh-huh. that is now not living. Kill, we had to kill a cow to bring this animal yeah. to you. You have to put a picture of the animal that you killed on the packaging. Do you think sometime in the history of four men branded products, someone has thought, we're going to put the face of the cow that died for you to eat this meat on the packaging? Because I think it's possible. It's possible. I think it's entirely possible. The stolen valor of (laughs) feeling like you killed a cow so you get to eat a steak (laughs) is enough of a marketing thing that someone has at least pitched that idea. I could totally see that. I could also see like a similar thing for like you're selling the deer meat that you shot. Like you take a picture Mm -hmm. and then shoot the deer and then say like, look at look at this deer that I shot. You want the meat from it? Okay, I'm on board with this. I don't know what that means. What what do you mean by that? I want I'm on yeah okay. I'm on board with you need to say we had to kill a cow for you to eat this. I yeah like it should be the other way around because like one is, uh, according to my own moral compass, more moral than the other. Yeah. No. And no one, cows were harmed in the making of this burger. There was like there's a a term that I learned in. Uh, my extremely liberal school mm-hmm. education that um, it, basically the idea of the, typically applying it to people, but in a society, some people are marked and some people are unmarked. Um, so like if you're a person of color, you're marked because the, the default in our society is white. Okay. Which is f***ed, but like that's how anthropologists have cho- chosen to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the animal murders should be marked <laughs> and the you know the the things that are that i think are more moral should be unmarked because mm-hmm. i want the default to be not murdering a cow to eat i think there is a kind of marking that you can do without legislating it and just by advertising how unmarked you are um that i think if your product if your burger patties are sitting there next to to murder burger 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 murder burger patties and you get to say no cows were harmed in the making of this burger patty yeah um that then like you got to look at the other burger and be like well they don't say anything about murdering cows so i i got to assume yeah it's the um my it's the one tweet my um 
my not involved in human tra- trafficking t-shirt has raised a lot of <laughs> questions already answered by the shirt. Now asbestos free. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stupid. <laughs> how how far off is something like that? Do you know? Uh, lab grown meat. Yeah. When do I get lab grown meat? Because I'm interested in that. Like. If I could get the most reputable of sources, uh, two years ago said that this is, by the way, TechCrunch. I was hoping for BuzzFeed. Uh, I think I would trust BuzzFeed more on issues of like, how much are you hyping up this startup? Fair. Uh, did they like just raise? Yeah. Okay. So TechCrunch says 2022, um, but also their TechCrunch. Right. Here's the Guardian. I trust them a little more. Um, no kill. No kill. That's a good, Ooh. concise way of saying it. Love that. Um, Singapore just approved some no kill chicken bites. Oh, the brand is Eat Just. Wow. Good. Good branding. Extremely good branding. It's a U.S. company that just got approved in Singapore. Let's look up Eat Just. Okay. So Eat Just is the company that does. Um, the mayonnaise there's like just mayonnaise they do eggs um which is probably an easy place to start but like so the answer is just fly to singapore and you can have it right now all right um also do not fly to singapore for a lot of reasons um Good Food Institute. Wow, there's really just not a lot of information to be gleaned. The product hits shelves in early 2021 in Singapore. Okay. Or hits menus, actually. It's not a a shelf, but... Okay, so to answer your question, it's close. So, Jared, if you wanted to see kill-free meat in the U.S. uh, in the short term... One of the ways that you might do that is by going to to some NGO and being like, hey, I want to see kill-free meat in America in the short short term. Um, Or you could go to your elected representatives and tell them, hey, I want kill-free meat in the short term. And they would say, I don't know what that is, and I don't care about you because... um, this is all something that the the politician would say. They would say, I don't know what that is, and I don't care about you because um, America's electoral system is so broken that your opinions have no bearing on what I do. And then that's something you that your politician might say. Yeah. And then you get uh, escorted out, possibly put in jail. Uh huh. It's simple politics. You should really just take a poli sci class to understand it well. <laughs> Before you know it, you're in Germany with po- uh, food poisoning. I don't know what that means. Ah, you're doing the Certus thing and not, not watching the news. Nope. <laughs> a part of Certus lives on in me, Zach. So you might want to maybe have a better, a better way to, to do the electoral process. Um, maybe you're the kind of person who wants to build power structures outside of the electoral process. Um, but maybe you're the kind of person who just thinks the electoral process could be better. Both are... You know, they can coexist. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm here to talk to you about ranked choice voting, um, which is... What's that? uh, In many ways, a better structured way to elect a single representative. Whoa. Wow. So it's... um, 
it solves some of the problems that currently exist with the first past the post system that exists in most of America. Um, it creates a few different problems, um, but it is also one of the closest to the first past the post system um, in that you don't have to start thinking about like a single district electing multiple representatives because that's a whole other fiasco mm-hmm. where you have to start doing statistics and stuff. Um, ranked choice voting is is just like low level math. It's just adding and subtracting and being like, hey, this thing is bigger than this other thing. Um, and and this one's tiny. So we're going to do other stuff with it. Um, you don't have to worry about how much statistici- statisticians are trying to to monkey with results. I don't think statisticians are trying to monkey with results. I get that that might have been like it might have sounded like that's what I think. <laughs> um, that is not what I think. But I, I get how somebody could see something like the single transferable vote and be like, I don't trust those statisticians. Yeah, right. Um, so let's say hypothetically you and your 10 friends uh, it's 2032 uh the COVID 19 pandemic is over and the next pandemic has not yet started sick um and you and your 10 friends you you and your nine friends 10 people total okay are gonna go to a restaurant and you're like hey what restaurant do we want to go to and there's a couple of you who want to go to uh you know olive garden and some of you want to go to applebee's and then there's like two people who are like fazoli's um my friends have taste we're going to fazoli's I'm kidding. I have no idea. I have not been to any of those restaurants in a very long time. <laughs> and so if you are one of the Olive Garden people and you see that clearly there's not enough support for everybody to want to go to Olive Garden, you might be like, OK, well, if we can't get Olive Garden, then I want Fazoli's. OK. And maybe with that in mind, if all of the Olive Gardeners defect to Fazoli's, mm-hmm. there is a majority amongst the Fazoli's folks versus always has my vote oh. <laughs> hey fazolis uh we've got a new jingle for you i've never agreed with applebee's once <laughs> um but what you really want is olive garden maybe one day everybody is going to be like okay yeah olive garden um but you would never know that if everybody's just defensively voting against applebee's for fazolis right right this is a contrived example to bring you around to um, ranked choice voting or what is also known as instant runoff voting. Um, and I personally prefer that that lens through which to look at it of instant runoff voting because it, I think, makes clearer the benefits and the shortfalls. So ranked choice voting works um, to kind of systematically set up all of that the olive garden fazoli's applebee's stuff that you might want to do olive garden but if that's not an option then you want fazoli's and whatever and that if you are in a group of 10 people you could do just by going back and forth having a discussion you Mm -hmm. say you voice your support for olive garden once that's not an option then you voice your support for fazoli's that kind of thing yeah let's i want to make it i want to go through the system in just a little bit more detail because i know one Jared, dad, that you might not know what's going on. <laughs> um, so like, let's like use actual numbers. So out of that 10, let's say uh-huh. two people want to go to Olive Garden for their first choice. Right. And Fazoli's has uh, four and Applebee's has four. Right. So if the Olive Garden people say, well, Olive Garden is definitely not going to win. Because there's mm-hmm. only two people who want it as their first choice, they would say, okay, well, my second choice is Fazoli's, so we're going to Fazoli's because that's six to four. Right. Now you've got and a that's majority. How, and that's how 
the discussion part of this works where like you all initially say what your first choice would be and then if you can't agree on that then some people have to compromise and so mechanically what that means is that like in an actual voting booth you would um have a list of candidates and you would rank each of those candidates so in this case if you were an olive garden person you would say my number one restaurant is olive garden my number two is Fazoli's, and then I am not even going to vote for Applebee's. I don't want to think about Applebee's. I don't want to. I hate apples. I hate bees. <laughs> not interested. Um, and so every person would then say that they would rank their, in this case, their top two, because the mm-hmm. last one you're just saying I don't, I don't care. Um, and then once the votes are being totaled. You would just look. You would look at all of the ballots. You would say, okay, there's four here for Applebee's. There's four here for Fazoli's. There's two for Olive Garden. And Olive Garden is clearly not in contention at all. Mm -hmm. So let's look at what each of these Olive Garden ballots says as their second choice. Yeah, I think the system is that you take the one with the least amount of votes. Correct. Yeah. So if there was four options and uh, you would still take the one with the least amount of votes first, you wouldn't say like, you wouldn't take the the bottom two or the bottom half or anything like mm-hmm. that just the last one right and so then you take those the second choice um for both of those ballots which would be fazoli's it could also be that maybe you want olive garden or you want death you want olive garden and if <laughs> nobody if you're not going to olive garden you're just going to sit in the car and pout um <laughs> in which case you might just say i want olive garden that's my number one and then I'm not going to rank anything. And so now it becomes a vote of um, four for Applebee's, five for Fazoli's, and one abstaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where some of the complexities come in, is when people start abstaining, they don't rank all the way down the ballot. So what are some of the shortcomings for instant runoff? Um, that's the main one. It's ballot exhaustion. It's um, that folks will undervote on a ballot so they'll only say okay well i want only olive garden Mm -hmm. and even if they would have liked fazoli's the way that they have been accustomed to voting is Mm -hmm. just saying okay i want olive garden and that's it um and so ballot exhaustion is highest in elderly populations or amongst folks without a college degree Hmm. um which means that then you're disenfranchising people unnecessarily right it's your the votes that you're getting are not actually representative of what they actually want right right um because if they have a single vote and they would have if it were a two-party vote voted for somebody else on the ballot um but did not have the time or the energy or interest or understanding to go through everybody on the ballot and rank all of them and understand all of their platforms what you need is someone uh, at the ballot counting place or the polling station to just be like, hey, everyone, we do things a little differently here. Have you been here before? <laughs> What's the word? Small plates or tapas? <laughs> yes. We do tapas or small plates. <laughs> um, so everybody's going to get a little bit of a vote and you're going to share it with the table. And that is the main difference between the... Like a discussion with ten of, with nine of your friends, and mm-hmm. this rank choice voting, because you can make your decision without like needing to tell people what it is, right? You during no point is a ballot being changed during this vote counting process. No one's gonna be right. like, "Why are you voting for Applebee's?" 
uh, like when when Olive Garden loses and the runoff is counted, no one is saying, "Okay, well at this point, I'm willing to hear arguments from either side." Why mm-hmm. do you think we should go to Applebee's? Why do we? Why do you think we should go to Fazoli's? It like the ballots are already in, and it's not like those people have to vote again. There's like a piece of paper right. that you rank your choices. Yeah. Um, there's also a disadvantage in that um, it's easier for news institutions to to give out a disingenuous framing. Like I saw something researching this that was like, well, Party X only got. 37% to the first choice vote, where party Y got 40%. So why is X in power? And the answer is because the whole other, whatever, almost 30% that voted for Z said, okay, if, if it's not Z, then X. Mm-hmm. And so once you reapportion the votes, X does have the majority of folks who are at least like, okay, yeah, X, I suppose. Come on, Zach. You think that news would be genu- disingenuous <laughs> about what statistics means? What are you talking um, about? So statistics aren't even interpreted. They are simply facts. They're just numbers. They're, they're just, just numbers. numbers. You can't argue with numbers, dude. Um, there are benefits, though, to ranked choice voting. Uh, you've got that. There, are, there can be third parties. There can be an Olive Garden. Um, and there can be a more accurate understanding of how interested people are in Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, there can be more enfranchisement of folks that you can at least go into a ballot and say, okay, well, I want the libertarians, and if not the libertarians, I want the Green Party, and if not them, I want the Patriot Party. I don't know. That is quite um, <laughs> quite a large spread of political opinions. <laughs> uh, You're like, no rules, but if I can't have <laughs> no rules, I want all the rules. But beyond that, I just want white nationalism, I think. I don't actually know what the last one stands for. It sounds racist. Yeah, it is. It's, okay. It's the QAnon party. Oh, okay. Sick. Um, Good intuition, Liz. Yeah. Um, and so that person can vote and their, their vote is counted and there's still a lot of like, okay, well, anybody who's not getting the majority of votes is still not whatever there's a lot of issues representational democracy is hard in any instance um that's not an excuse to not try from what i understand ranked choice is a more accurate version of what like people generally agree that it's better than first past the post in figuring out like who people want to be representing them right but you know that's also just that's also not a fact but uh a a series of facts used to tell a story. So, like, mm-hmm. who knows, really? Yeah. Um, there's one other benefit of ranked choice voting, um, which is that it can eliminate the need for nonpartisan primaries. Liz, are you ready to vote on Tuesday? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> what are we voting on? <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's the nonpartisan primary coming up um, February 16th. Jared, I know you're... T- you're relying on us for your news so just so you know february 16th that's the nonpartisan primary in wisconsin um which is for nonpartisan um elections anybody can run so like this is school board or state school Uh, superintendent in this case um and so i think on the ballot around me we've got five folks running for school board and what what's going to happen is some people are going to vote in this nonpartisan primary and choose their top two 
and then more people are going to vote between those top two right um, yeah in april or something and so by having ranked choice voting you don't need to have primaries and then the runoff and whatever it's instant runoff and so Mm -hmm. there you go runoff time makes a lot Um, of sense there's also some like i don't know how much this is going to help in that a lot of the fundraising power and that kind of thing are still held in the big two parties regardless of how many you can put on a ballot right Um, but the big two parties became the big two parties because first past the post only lends itself to having two parties right like right you you'd think one would assume that it would probably not immediately equalize but would Mm -hmm. would over time yes um and I really do, like, I really think that um, ballot exhaustion is a, is a big issue and not something I had thought about with ranked choice voting before. Because the, so the, the framing of it that got me to really actually think about it is that if whatever it was, 27% in this one particular main election they were looking at, 20% of people had voted in the nonpartisan primaries and then sat out the nonpartisan general election. Okay. What does that mean? Like, um, how are you interpreting that? So if we've, the, there's that five down to two that happens and then people vote amongst the two. Mm-hmm. Right now, more people are voting amongst the two than are voting for the primary. Just voter oh. turnout is higher once it's down to those two. Sure. That makes sense. Um, and instant runoff voting with the issue of ballot exhaustion means that there are some folks where the best conception of it is as if they voted in the primary and didn't vote in the general. They didn't vote amongst the right. two. They only voted amongst the five. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the way that we think about being politically activated right now does not mesh well with that, and it seems more like the folks who, who got shuffled under the rug because they didn't fill out the full ballot. Um, the... The popular reading of that is that they didn't know or did not have the time or energy to fill out the ballot. It's not that they weren't interested in any other candidates. Right. That seems like a weird problem because I would expect those people to just stay home. It seems weird to like go through the the effort of getting to your polling place, standing in line, you know, fill, uh, registering and all that. Like you go through all that and then like don't read the instructions because like it I, I don't know that seems weird to me but i under, mm-hmm. also understand that like my conception of how people should act is not always accurate right that is also something i'm reckoning with as i <laughs> as i read these statistics about um ballot exhaustion what are is it 27 percent was that was for primaries what what's the what is it for um ranked choice the but what is like how many people are experiencing ballot exhaustion i am going to find the links because if it's like 0.1 then you could be like okay well those are the people who are voting for mickey mouse in the general election but if it's like um five percent you're like oh gosh that's actually a ton of people yeah it looks like 9.6 was the lowest in amongst these four that were studied in this that's um, actually a ton that's yeah. actually an unacceptably high number. Yeah. Um, and I, I do wonder how much of that is messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, how much of that is somebody showed up at 
the polling place expecting it to be the same um the the same process of voting as it always had been right um because these are fairly recent changes that are being made in in california and maine that kind of thing what do you mean new voting voting is voting (laughs) numbers are numbers and so the the way that i vote is already kind of oriented towards a primary kind of idea that I will look at, okay, here's the five candidates who are on the ballot, and I, mm-hmm. which ones do I like? And then, oh God, I have to pick exactly which one I do like, and then I have to think about all the game theory of who else is going to like this guy and not that guy. And you know, um, and so ranked choice voting makes voting easier for the way that I think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And that means I have a hard time conceiving of folks for whom it makes it harder to vote. But clearly based on the fact that it's somewhere around 9.6 and 27%, depending on what actual election you're looking at, Mm -hmm. a voting exhaustion means that there are folks that it has a, like a really negative effect on. And yeah, it's not because it's not a complicated system. It's just different from the way voting happens in any other context. Mm -hmm. You just go with the plurality. That's it. Right. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I wonder also, so this is all, I think, looking at U.S. Um, moves to instant runoff voting. Mm-hmm. But there are other countries that do instant runoff voting. And I want to know if their ballot exhaustion rates are as high or if it's something that just takes a generation taking civics classes that include ranked choice voting mm-hmm. to actually acclimate to it. And I don't know the answer. We implement ranked choice and we just like have a i'm trying to figure out the best way to put a link to a youtube video in a mailbox um <laughs> but yeah just like look QR at that codes. qr code in a, everyone's mailbox to that one sugp gray video where he explains it yeah i i've been thinking more about public awareness campaigns liz do you walk ever to places in it's the winter really cold it's like insanely cold right now like it's it has not been positive degrees, or at least it has not felt like positive degrees for more than a uh-huh. week. So that's no, why God made scarves. Um, but that's that's a different thing than what I'm trying to say. Um, it, in the past, in a city, have you encountered a curb, uh, an intersection where the whole block has shoveled and everything along the sidewalk, and then the intersection is just piled high with snow? Uh, yeah, definitely. Right. And that's a big issue because there's not a lot of awareness around like, okay, whose responsibility is it to take care of this corner? Um, there's folks who are angry because they just shoveled off the corner and now the, the plow came by and piled it all back up. And so I don't want to deal with that. Right. Um, and so that's something where like public awareness campaigns would help a little bit. Uh, but how... There's no one place where all of the public is, and so how do you get the right information to all of them? And, like, your responsibilities, right? As a landowner, it is your responsibility to shovel the sidewalk in a city. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, like, okay, so you can have a law that says that's your responsibility, but how do you enforce that? Um, how do you do that Tear in a gas. way that will... <laughs> God, oh, no. Oh, it would freeze. That would be awful. Um how do you do that in a way that philosophy tube vampire is not going to say, oh, well, I just didn't know. But if someone genuinely doesn't know, you aren't regressively fining them for 
not doing a thing that you didn't sufficiently tell them about. Mm-hmm. I think the the answer is that like the city says, first time is a warning, second time is a fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's a good way. Right. So I agree. A um, public awareness campaign on how to do this thing would probably improve things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you are also selecting. You have to be very careful because you're selecting for a democracy ruled by people who look at the public awareness channels that you are pushing out. <laughs> right. If the public awareness campaign is only on Twitter. Yeah. Right. You're going to have a bunch of t- tweeters running your government. Or if it's if it looks like junk mail in at all, uh-huh. then I'm not reading it. <laughs> right. Like it instantly goes in the trash unless it like is addressed to me personally and has an envelope and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's not an easy problem. And I'm certainly not going to scan any random QR code that appears in my mailbox. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people might, but I'm not going to. So with all of that said, Wisconsin State Senator Chris Larson from Milwaukee and Wisconsin Representative Mark Spritzer of Beloit recently introduced a bill. Um, they handed it over to the Legislative Reference Bureau um, as LRB 0951 to implement comprehensive ranked choice voting in Wisconsin. And the way that the Wisconsin laws um, and like legal system, I'm just a bill sitting in the uh, Legislative Reference Bureau. Um, the way that all of that works, um, there's no co-sponsors listed. It's just the two folks who are, who are writing it. Um, and we can't see the full text yet. Um, so there's still a lot of open questions, um, but it is... It looks good to at least have on the docket somewhere um, ranked choice voting for Wisconsin. All right. Um, I will keep you posted. Um, there are some, some specific questions I'll be looking for, uh, which is kind of related to that ballot exhaustion thing. I know in some countries you cannot, like it's just not a valid ballot if it can be exhausted. Um, I think in Australia you can either choose a top one or you can rank all of them. Uh, and there is no in-between. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and so that, right, do we want to make it so that you need to rank everything? Or can you only rank some and just you have to be aware that you might exhaust your ballot? Um, I mean, hmm. it doesn't, it's probably like mathematically or like statistically the same to rank things you don't like very low and not rank them at all. But it certainly mm-hmm. feels better to not rank things I don't like. Right. It would be much more right. cath- it would be much more cathartic for me to rank literally everyone on the ballot except for Don- Donald Trump. That's just implicitly ranking him last, so you would Yeah, I know, but <laughs> it would feel better. <laughs> yeah. No matter what, no matter what, uh-huh. my vote will not go to this man. Right. And yeah, there are some where it's like I don't want to have to choose between the the lesser of two evils. I would if these mm-hmm. were the only two on the ballot, I would just sit this election out. Right. Is kind of what you're what you're saying when you don't rank any of the remaining ones, which is probably not a good idea, but it feels good. Yeah, it's a statement. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, if you have to choose the lesser between two evils, probably just probably just do that. Probably just choose the lesser. Probably just choose the lesser one. Yeah. Um, also, I want to know which elections this will apply to. Uh, Maine tried to use uh, ranked choice voting for their presidential election, and it got shut down in their courts um, sometime in like September last year. And they were like, there's not enough time to fight this. Hmm. Um, so 
Is that something we're going to try to do in Wisconsin? Who knows? Um, if that's the case, then it really should be single transferable vote, um, which is just like ranked choice voting with multiple, you've got multiple or multiple representatives per district. So if you're doing the electoral college, you've got multiple representatives per district. And so then you want to think about the single transferable vote where um, once somebody reaches the threshold, then any of their excess votes uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. get shuffled down to the next one. And that's where you have to be like, do I trust statisticians? Because how do you choose what counts as excess? Mm -hmm. That's a difficult problem. I'm sure people have thought about it, but it is probably going... That's the thing. Like, It does involve a amount of trust. But I mean, so does the whole voting process. You could just count all the votes wrong. So, mm -hmm. like, but it's a lot easier to fudge statistics than it is to fudge just counting integers. Right. If you live in Wisconsin, Jared, and uh, you think that the ranked choice voting sounds good, please contact um, the the folks, Chris Larson and um, Mark Spritzer, and let them know that you think this is a good idea. Contact your representative. Contact the governor, contact the folks that you can contact and say, hey, I think this is a real cool idea. And maybe even say, hey, I think that there should be a public information campaign as a part of this. Whatever you want. I'm not your dad. Um, and I, I, I think that in that way, we can build power structures within the electoral process. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. I used to feel self-conscious about hair loss, but thanks to modern medicine, I can comfortably kick that can down the road. So long, carefully considering my place in the world. So long, reconstructing my notion of what a man with a receding hairline should be like. Hello, Keeps. Visit keeps.com slash ennui and enter the promo code please dear god I'm only 22 for 22% off your first order. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Jared, if you have top-secret research documents about the confusion of Americans regarding milks and alternative milks... Or, if you think ranked choice voting is bad, I'd really, actually, genuinely implore you to reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, don't, don't be afraid, just use my username, at... 